Welcome back to another episode of Neurodiverse Love. I am Mona, and I was in a neurodiverse relationship for 32 years. Didn't know until the 29th year of marriage, and have been divorced for almost three years now. And my co-host, Olga. Hi, and I'm Olga, and I was in a relationship with the person that's um, on the spectrum in the relationship lasted for almost a year. And um, that's why we are together doing this. <laughs> and we have had so much um, fun sharing our story and hearing our stories and hearing from listeners. We get emails and folks posting on Instagram and it's really, really exciting. And today we wanted to talk about something that kind of almost brings us full circle and it's the difference between how much knowledge I had at the beginning of my relationship about neurodiversity, which is zero, and how much knowledge Olga had at the beginning of her relationship, which was probably a little bit more than zero. She had more than I did. But how that um, changed the way I looked at things, the way she looked at things. And so I'm going to start um, with kind of my perspective, because I think it's really, really important for folks that have been in a marriage or in a relationship with somebody they find out is neurodiverse after many, many, many years of being together to figure out if they want to do the work that's going to be necessary. And because it took me 29 years to know that we were neurodiverse there were so many things that I was resentful about. There were so many things that angered me. And I'm just going to put a few things out there to the audience. Um, one of the things that I think was always critical was our challenges with communication. And anybody that's been in a relationship, a neurodiverse relationship, um, probably can totally relate where my ex was extremely rational and logical, and I was much more emotional. I would flood him with my emotions and information and questions, and I thought that he didn't care. And so you can imagine going through that over and over and over again, right? In a relationship where you love the person so much, you know, we loved each other immensely, uh, even though we didn't have a child until our, we didn't have our daughter until we were nine years into our um, marriage, we knew we had a special bond. Um, I used to say we were soulmates, if there's such a thing. But the resentment just started to build and build and build. And uh, I think our last episode, we talked about hope. And I kept holding out for hope. And I think in talking to other, um, mostly women who've been in long-term relationships, they've been married 15, 20, even 30 years, as long as I have, or even more, um, seeing on Facebook and Instagram and reading about it, they have had to make, make a lot of adjustments in their life to stay in the relationship. And many of them are staying because they love their partner. But when they find out that partner is neurodiverse and they realize that they're on the autism spectrum because either they get a late diagnosis, which seems to be happening more and uh, more, yeah. and um, there's all these ahas, 
they have to decide, are they willing to continue doing the work necessary to stay whole as an individual and to keep the love alive in the relationship? And I was willing to do the work, but my ex wasn't. So uh, I actually was the one who pushed us forward to file for divorce because there's no reason to keep moving forward if the other partner isn't willing to do the work. And I think that's one of the things that I think is a theme that I keep hearing and seeing for those of us that have been in a relationship for, I'm going to say more than 10 years and didn't find out until, you know, after let's say 10 years of the relationship or 10 years of marriage that our partner was on the autism spectrum. I think it's very different for those folks that are starting the relationship, knowing that the person they're dating or their potential partner is on the spectrum. So, but I don't know that that's not, you know, shoes that I've worn. I haven't been, you know, I haven't done that. So Olga, what, what do you think? I, I think that what would make the difference is that there is a lot to heal when you find out later. So you didn't have a way to know that that what was happening in the everyday life was not that the other person was mean to you or disrespectful or didn't love you enough. Um, it was because the person is on, on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And because you didn't know that for so long, it created or accumulated some resentment and some feelings that were, you know, hurt feelings mm-hmm. and and other types of feelings that could be there Mm -hmm. that when you find out it has to be very confusing because it's like wait you did all of that not because you hate me or because you don't love me enough you did all of that because you are on the spectrum and so now now it's like I I can't hate you let's put it that way Mm -hmm. (laughs) or I can't feel I, it has to be, I'm thinking it has to be very confusing and, yeah. and how to understand it, how to process it and how to come out of it. Right. So it, it has, it's going to take longer to go through the healing process, the forgiveness, because it's like, now I know why you were doing it. So now it might be easier for you to go back and say, okay, I forgive you because I know now where you're coming, where you were coming from. I understand better. And I know that, better. <laughs> and, I, and and again, yes, we keep saying that over and over. And if we know better, we do better. Right. But what does it take to do better? So that's where I think our stories join. And it's because, yes, I knew better sooner into the relationship. And I, I thought. Because I knew early and because I was willing to take the risk and do the work and try to make it work, I thought it was going to work Mm -hmm. and it didn't work. Yeah. So I did know a little better. I didn't know everything. And because he didn't know and it was just me Mm -hmm. knowing that there was something different between the two of us that our brains work differently then that made it more difficult I think that that is such 
an important point. Um, going back to there's so many people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s that are on the spectrum that will never get diagnosed ever, ever, ever. They may find out they're on the spectrum or assume they're on the spectrum because their child is diagnosed. And uh, like one of the guys that I dated, he was looking at his son's evaluation or assessment for ASD. And he's like, oh my gosh, that could have been written about me at the same age. His son is 10. So I think many people who are my age and your age are finding out because their children are getting diagnosed. You can't go back and have an opportunity to to press replay on your life. Yeah, you can't. So all those things that you feel you screwed up, Mm -hmm. all those relationships that were challenged, whether it's relationships with siblings, relationships with friends, relationships, love relationships, family relationships, work work relationships, all those things that you felt like an outsider with, you can't go back and change. And if you're in a relationship with, I think, a partner who understands neurodiversity and wants to do the work but is neurotypical, what a blessing. What an opportunity to grow together. Mm -hmm. But I also agree with you, Olga, that I think it takes a really long time for maybe both partners, but I would think the person on the spectrum, even more time to work through almost like an analysis of their life. Yeah. And I think it's almost like a grieving process, you know, and there's five stages to grieving. Well, it's been two years since we broke up and he's, he never accepted that there was something, he knows that something is different, but never, you know, officially said, yeah, I may be on the spectrum. And so that made it a little more difficult because he does the work, but because it's missing this other piece, I think that he could focus that work a little more on that piece of information so that he can be more successful in relationships and with work and with all those in those all those environments. Um, But every person's process is different Mm -hmm. and it may take some time for people to understand okay where am I at um, in my process as a neurotypical or neurodivergent so both people will have an individual process Mm -hmm. and how to make those two processes be okay with the with the process together with with our relationship where we're trying to make it work so when we say if we know better we do better the doing is going to vary absolutely based on where we were at when we met when where we knew mm-hmm. something is different where was the neurodiverse um person and where was the neurotypical person at and and then knowing that, we can walk the processes together and, and maybe make it work. But it's also a theory. I don't know. Right. I know that if one is not in the place where he or she can do the, the process, 
then the other person is going to feel like left right. left alone or or um that we can't you know take the responsibility or or the lose the, hope. yeah the weight of everything so we lose hope yeah. or we just you know to save ourselves we need to say okay this is this is as far as i can go and you know even though i love you and i like you and i fell in love with amazing things that are a part of you i i have to save myself and i have to do my own own process and continue my life and not risk it because it goes into places that you're risking your mental health right so but we know now some people who have been successful and they are still in relationships so there is possibility for doing the doing the work yeah it's just where how and and what kind of support um they need to do it yeah i i so agree with everything that you said and i think uh we we did start a support group and we've had three sessions uh we're calling it a coaching a neurodiverse love coaching and support group and we'll probably continue doing those um at least once a month and i think sometimes it's just really important for both the neurodivergent and the neurotypical person to know they're not alone to hear other people's stories and to feel like oh i'm not crazy I have other people that I'm talking to right now who are going through the same thing, but not to get stuck in that. If you want the relationship to continue again, whether you're the neurodivergent or the neurotypical, because if you get stuck on all the negative things that have happened, if I got stuck on all the negative things that hurt me or bothered me, or I couldn't understand during my 30 year marriage, I could never have dated my ex during our separation when I found out he was on the spectrum. He needed time to deal with all the things that were going through his head, and I will probably never know what they were. But I can't imagine what it is like to get a, a formal diagnosis, to have it in front of you, or to read a book and see yourself in every page of that book and know you're on the spectrum. So whether you're diagnosed officially or undiagnosed and to have words that explain what you've experienced all your life and maybe even to find other people that you can talk to, I always call them your tribe, what that feels like. Because if you were diagnosed, let's say, um, you were diagnosed in your 40s with epilepsy and you never had a seizure before 40, okay? That's a physical ailment. There might be things the doctors can do for you. There's medication, what have you. That is a physical health issue. This is, your brain is wired differently than a large percentage of the population and you've been trying to fit in to the neurotypical your en world, your entire, life. your entire life and masking and, and you've been bullied and you've been hurt and you've been, nothing has made sense to you or so a few things have made sense to you. And now you're starting to make sense of things, but there's not, it's not like you could take a pill and you know, you're going to be the perfect um, autistic. It's not like you can take a pill and be the perfect neurotypical in a neurodiverse relationship. Mm -hmm. You have to learn together. You have to grow together. You have to be open together to the ups and downs. 
And so I kind of feel I want to give people hope <laughs> for the future um, that if you're both willing to do that, and it's not going to be easy, I think that a neurodiverse love relationship can be phenomenal. Can yeah, it can be phenomenal. I think so. Um, it's not going to be easy, but it is possible. Yeah. Like anything in life. I think that uh, my biggest lesson is I don't know if I'm going to have another neuro neurodivergent person in my life in the future. I don't know that. I It might be because um, it has happened several times. So <laughs> pro it probably will happen. But it's not something I'm, I'm looking you know, for, right? right? It's not like, oh, okay, uh, no. So it has opened my eyes also to having a relationship e with a neurotypical person and how we look at our differences and how we do our personal processes and how we are in a relationship not for the other person to, to be responsible for my happiness, my healing process, my... Um, my mental health growth and mental health right. exactly no i am able to do all of those things take care of my, myself and not in a selfish way that i don't want you to do anything for me not in that way but in a in a way that i'm, I'm i love you enough to not put to not to put all of this on your shoulders mm -hmm. and make you so stressed that you have to handle your life and my life Amen. and make decisions and make me happy and, and, and meet all these expectations, which, you know, I also learned that expectation is what makes us very unhappy mm -hmm. in life because they're usually higher than anything that we can right. uh, live I'm up to. That. Yeah, yeah, no, in the, in the most simple things, right. we do that. And so this process has, taught me a lot about that and me about too. compassion and how to look at the other person how real love is mm -hmm. how how it works it's very easy to say i love you it's very easy to say i accept you the way you are but uh, but the meaning of loving you and accepting you goes beyond what we think or we have or I have thought my entire life and now it's like wow being inclusive and compassionate and all of, the, of those things to make the other person feel comfortable being themselves and and putting in place all the the tools and and the things that we need to make it work it doesn't really have to be a neurodiverse relationship any really relationship because we're all different absolutely and so working with differences takes that 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 ability to love accept see the other person the way the other person is and do the personal work be a companion on the other person's um, growth or process or work mm -hmm. and and walk together yeah. may not may not be at the same speed right. or we <laughs> may not get to the same pl places at the same time in our personal journeys but we know we're walking together and that's what that relationship is about yeah and you know I think it's the, critical. The, the love expressions and, and, and everything else is going to be 
easier. But I think what makes it very difficult now when we're finding this out is the process of healing what happened before, healing what is happening now, figuring out how to make it work for the future. And sometimes we may be at points where it's not possible to save it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to heal, close the chapter and move on mm -hmm. and prepare for the next one. Yeah, no, I absolutely, again, I think we're on a roll here. I agree with everything that you said. And I think if we don't know who we are when we get into a relationship and if we're not doing our own work and expect to get everything or all our needs met from our partner, which I was very guilty of expecting a lot more than I should have in a neurotypical relationship, but I was in a neurodiverse relationship. So uh, I've done so much work in the last five years because it's almost five. Well, actually, it's more than five years since my ex and I separated. And I also realized that I'm 57. And if I were to meet somebody today who had been diagnosed and they told me, because this is, this is an epiphany that I've had over the time we've been doing this, and they told me that they were neurodivergent, autistic, whatever term they used, I, I think one of my first questions or what I would be curious about is, so tell me what you've learned about yourself since you've discovered this. How does this impact how you look at your past and how you live your life. You know, um, what do you think are your greatest strengths and what do you think are the areas where you have some challenges that you're working on? So I'd have a very different conversation. Yeah. Those now. are great questions. Yeah, I would yeah. have a very different conversation. And um, I know that, that some of the guys that I've gone out with, you know, recently were definitely on the spectrum. Um, and if we had continued dating, those would, I wouldn't ask those questions on the first date, but <laughs> well, <laughs> who knows? Because, you know, if it's a person on the spectrum, it might be easier to go into topics yeah, that's that true. may be uncomfortable for everybody else, which is something I've learned. Yeah. I think that if the person is willing or comfortable enough to share though, the answers to those questions that you just um, mentioned, they may be in a good place to to start that conversation yeah. and, and it's important because you know knowing the history and the relationships what they have learned what difficulties they have what how they see themselves um in the future or in a relationship well that's going to give you a lot of information to know you know where that person is at, where you are at, mm -hmm. and make your decision you're you're now free to decide if you want to go into that relationship you're not blinded anymore. Right. right. And that's something that I've thought about because, uh, you know, I would just ask a lot of different questions. Like there are a lot of men uh, I'm noticing on the online apps that say they've never been married and they've never had children. And <laughs> Olga's smiling. To that, me, was, that was my case. Was like, <laughs> right, oh, yeah, was, I've never been married and I don't have kids. But and I'm in my 40s. Right? Yeah, and I'm in my 40s. And so to me, that's a, um, it's something to be curious about. Mm -hmm. Because I would want to know, why have you not been married? And why do you have no children? 
um, and not to judge, but really to, to understand. Because if somebody is working, you know, 18 hours a day and um, they don't have time because they've been building a business for 25 years, I understand that, you know, mm -hmm. it was never a priority. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but if they've been in 18 relationships <laughs> and none of them worked out, I would inquire and want to know a little bit more about that. Um, but I, I think we've learned so, so much over we started this in October over the last six months um, that we've shared a lot that I think has been helpful to a lot of the listeners. So do you have a lesson learned that you want to wrap up this episode with? Um, my lesson learned is the most important part in life is being aware Mm. the awareness of what is going on in you and in the other person and have that intuition that connects you to that person and maybe feel um, what is different, what is not working, what could be improved and and then go from there and trust your, your gut. Like your gut is always going to tell you what's going on and or if something is off or if something is not working or if something is working so trust that and keep on walking and, and doing the work because I think it always brings something good in your life no matter what it is no matter if that relationship is going to be successful or not at the end you're gonna either learn a lot have another good friend in life or have a really good relationship and you can make it work uh, if all that process is done. So I think there is hope and there's more hope now than before because we know a little more. Um, there, there are a lot of people out there that are writing about it, writing their experiences. People are getting less and less afraid of talking about their experiences and make it more like it's something that happens is is in our everyday lives is in the world is everywhere in every language right um so if we make it more like that we'll be able to learn a lot more and maybe have a lot more tools than what we have now but i, I think there is hope and there's always that openness in the heart to keep on going and experience whatever's next um, in life, in, in the love life and everything else. So awesome. Awesome. it's been a great experience. <laughs> I agree. And, and I think my lesson learned, I mean, there's been so many, we've had lessons that we've learned through each episode, but a big one for me after all these years is no expectations. Uh, and the reason I say that is, the only person that you can change is yourself. Exactly. And uh, I have dreams. I have goals. Uh, I don't know that I have expectations even of myself anymore. And I think I had high expectations of but myself. It's so liberating. Oh my it's gosh. Like, it's oh so gosh. I don't have to be or, <laughs> right. or even grow at this, at this rate or at this. Nothing. You just leave. Unless, Every day, yeah. one day at a time, one lesson at a time, yes. and figure it out and, yes. and just be true to yourself, 
compassionate, loving, caring, and keep on going. It's yeah. it's life is beautiful. That's what my grandmother used to say. No matter how hard it was, no matter how sick she was, um, and right before she went into heart surgery, open heart surgery, like four years ago, she said, "No matter what happened in life, always think that life is beautiful." Mm. And, and I never met her, but I can tell from her pictures and things you said about her that she she did live that. that yes. That's really awesome. It true. So I think um, the lesson of no expectations and then also to ask to understand um, when you don't understand something rather than to get angry and resentful from the get-go that it is okay not to right because you have different expectations or because I've had different expectations but actually to ask for clarification or to say um am I understanding you correctly is this is this what you're sharing with me and the last thing the last lesson learned is one issue at a time yes (laughs) one issue at a time yeah. Uh, and and so on that, I'm going to end. And if you're interested in following us on Instagram, um, you can find us at neurodiverse uh, underscore love. And you can check out our website at neurodiverselove.com. And you can email us at neurodiverselove, the number four, and the letter U at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. And we hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you. Bye.